Well, it is Mother's Day, and Stephen and I uh, are going to give a little reflections on our mothers. Uh, they're both very special ladies to us. And for me, uh, the one thing I really appreciate about my mom is just what a powerful woman of prayer she is. And just what impact those prayers had on my life. Uh, she, is a, she is a prayer warrior. And she is very persistent in her praying, which is a huge strength. You know, Jesus told this parable of this persistent widow. And he's saying, he's using this parable as an analogy of like, we got to keep praying. And so this widow kept coming to this judge and asking for justice and keep going and going and going. And even though the, the judge, he didn't really, he wasn't a just guy, but he's like, you know what, this woman is just annoying me because she's so persistent. I'm going to give her what she wants. And Jesus told this parable that we don't give up in prayer. And my mother is such a persistent person in prayer. And that is a strength because in our culture, which is so driven by this instant gratification, to keep praying for something year after year, not finding fruit, how easy it is for us to just give up and quit. But my mother, she is a woman who is such a warrior in prayer, who keeps praying. And, and I've seen it in my own life. I, I don't I didn't always appreciate my mother's prayers. So for you mothers out there that are keep praying for your kids, this encouragement is keep praying. Because I didn't always appreciate it either. But now today I can stand here and say, I treasure my mother's prayers. And they made a deep impact in my life. And it didn't happen because of one prayer. It happened because of prayers that are countless. And my mama just kept praying for me. And so uh, that is something I really appreciate about my mom. How about you, Stephen? Yeah, so for my mom, and I could certainly echo many, many of those same things, but for my mom, I've always appreciated um, how, how faithful she was in her own time in reading God's word, but, but more than that, how much she incorporated that into um, just our daily routine as, as kids. And up until the time I you know, moved out of the house, uh, uh, every evening, we would sit, like for my earliest memories, I remember we would sit on the floor of either, either me or my siblings, we would sit on the floor of our bedroom uh, before we all went to bed and we'd sit there and we would read through Bible stories together. And again, I mean, I remember this from early, early days. Um, and you know, like the Bible stories I remembered were because my mom would, would read those to us and we would just, like there was just natural conversation that came out of that. Um, and then as we got older, she incorporated Bible memorization into our evening routines. And then as we got older from that, we, we got, you know, we would read different devotionals, and there would be, um, you know, conversations that came out of that. When we were in that junior high age, the conversations were more one-sided, but that persistence paid off. As we got older, you know, that, that became more fluid. But more than that, it wasn't just that we read the Bible and we had devotions, but it was that I saw that in my mom's own personal life. And in her, you know, she modeled that herself. And then, uh, again, I mean, as, as I got older, you know, right before I got married, I was, you know, I was living at home and then was engaged. And we moved into our, you know, I moved into the house that Holly and I would live in. But I remember the last night I was living at home, we still had our our, our evening devotions, my mom and I. And, and uh, you know, it's just, I like, a, a major part of my love for God's word came out of the, just that time from, from the early stages on. And so, you know, moms, as we were talking about this, uh, we really didn't even plan what we were going to talk about, um, you know, 
but I think this really shows parents for all of us, Bible and prayer is gotta be at the foundation of what our homes are built on in our own personal lives, but in, in how, we are, how we are raising our children. So um, be encouraged by that, um, be challenged by that, and uh, God bless all you moms. Thank you for all that you do. And now let's worship the Lord together. I'd like to introduce to you, uh, and, and since the moms are holding their little girls, uh, when I mention your daughter's name, uh, kind of step forward, or if you've got the muscles, uh, hold her high so we can all see her. Uh, this is Connor and Mackenzie Brimbaugh and Kemper Rose. Hi, Kemper. <laughs> and Mike and Amanda Borg and Lillian Charlotte. There she is. <laughs> and then Austin and Alana Moles and Olivia Grace. Thank you. This is such a very special thing that these parents do. And to put it in perspective, let me read to you from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. And they were bringing children to him, that is Jesus, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took the children in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands upon them. And it's so meaningful to see these parents. And in so many ways, little has changed since Elkanah and Hannah brought their little boy Samuel to the temple. And Mary and Joseph brought their little child Jesus to the temple. The hearts are the same. And it's that heart to bring our children and dedicate them to the Lord. That's what we are honoring, observing, and celebrating this morning. What you are doing this morning is dedicating not only your child, but yourselves. And you're dedicating yourselves to maintain a home where Jesus Christ is honored and God's word is treasured. Recognizing the dignity and responsibility of being a parent and of help, God's help, to fulfill your duties, do you now dedicate your child to God and solemnly covenant to strive by precept, by example, by vital association with God and his church to train your child to love God and his son, Jesus Christ? If so, say, we do. Having dedicated your child to God, do you also consecrate yourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ 
in the spirit of this covenant to inspire Christ-likeness in your home and the rearing of your child? If so, say we do. Having heard these vows and sacred assurances as a minister of Christ, and I do joyously and with earnest prayer commend your little girls unto the Lord that they might honor and serve him as they follow their moms and dads in that very thing. I, I always bring tears to children's eyes. So. Your, your children, your daughters will not remember this day, but you can remind them. And I, I share that as a rebellious kid, a really wild kid, my mom more than once reminded me that she had, she and my dad had dedicated me to the Lord. And even though at the time I didn't let her know that that meant a thing to me, it sunk deep into my heart. So tell your little girls often that you have dedicated them to the Lord. Let me pray for us. Will you stand with me and join me in prayer? Father, with great joy and thanksgiving, we commend the parents of Kemper, of Lillian, of Olivia to your precious care. We, we pray, Lord, that you will enable them and empower them with your love and grace. Encourage them, assuring them of your sure and unseen work in their lives to bring about your beautiful purposes and plans for them. Guide these parents with your strong and loving hand. May they grow to love you and trust you more. And as they trust you more, may they experience the joy of your care as they also inspire their little girls to live for you and serve you. We pray that they will know this presence and your power in their lives daily. And Father, we all, we standing before you this morning, we praise you for your goodness, your son, your spirit, your calling, your grace. We commit our lives. We commit our children. We commit our tithes and offerings. We commit our goods to you with worship and thanksgiving today. Your care, your counsel, your comfort will meet all our circumstances all our challenges, and it's to you, Lord, Lord of all, that we trust and praise you in the name of the matchless Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said, amen. God bless you. God bless you. from some of the kids in our church. They're going to share a letter that they've written to their mom with us this morning. So if that's you, come on up. Good morning. Can you tell us what your name is and how old you are? My name is Katie and I'm six years old. Okay, and Katie's going to share a letter that she's written to her mom this morning. Mom, I love every single thing you do for me. 
I love that you make dinner for us and take care of us when we're sick and you tuck me in at night. And I love your pretty voice and can't wait to grow up and be a mom just like you. And I learned from you that if you always trust and love the Lord and follow him, then you'll go to heaven. Thank you, Katie. That was beautiful. Okay. Well, you won't need this, will you? Okay. Um, let me get this thing out. Okay. Dear Mom, you are my role model in life. You are strong, pretty, funny, cool, nice. Words can't describe how much I love you. I know that I am not a perfect child. I mean, come on, if I was a perfect child, I probably would not have put paint all over the walls in the guest bedroom and blame it on some imaginary burglar. But I do really try to behave. At first, I didn't really know what to put in this letter because honestly, I'm speechless at your awesomeness. I remember when I was little and you read me all those books about God loving me. That's like the only thing I remember, but it's important to me. Without you, I don't know where I would be right now. You were there for me when I needed you the most and for all the good times. You really are my moon. You may be silent, but whenever I need you, I can look around and see you. So thank you for all you do, Mom. I really do appreciate it. Love, Sabrina. That was Sabrina Westra, and she's in sixth grade. Tell us your name and how old you are, okay? My name is Camille Mosier, and I am in seventh grade. Happy Mother's Day to all of you moms out there. I would have to argue that my mom is the best out there, mom out there. No offense to other moms. She helps guide me to the word of God. Whenever I think that something I did wrong was okay, she says, where in the Bible does it say that? It helps me notice that not all of my, all of my actions are okay just because I think they are. She is also very loving, generous, and kind. I feel bad for her because she has to put up with me, and sometimes I can get a bit, yeah. Even when I'm rude or say and do unkind things, she still loves me and helps me with my struggles. Last but not least, she's amazing. She's so talented, and she's a genius. I love how whenever I get stuck on, let's say, a math problem, she'll say, watch the help video or try a different way of doing it. She wants me to succeed in life, so she's trying to help me learn to try to solve problems by myself. If I follow her advice and still don't get it, then she will come over and walk me through and explain the steps. She doesn't just give me the answer because then I wouldn't learn to do it all by myself. I just want to thank my mom for all she has done and thank all the other moms out there for being amazing. Have a great Mother's Day. Well, thank you, ladies. Um, I assure you, I knew that this was going to happen, that I would have to follow these young ladies with their love letters to mom, and uh, it really makes me look kind of pitiful, but I want you to know that I intend what I say this morning as a love letter to all the moms who are here today. And I do want to say Happy Mother's Day. In your honor, I would like to excerpt a poem by the poet laureate Billy Collins, who was in the L section of his dictionary where his eyes fell upon the word lanyard. 
and he was suddenly back in summer camp, learning how to braid long, thin plastic strips into a lanyard, a gift for my mother. I had never seen anyone use a lanyard or wear one, if that's what you did with them. But that did not keep me from crossing strand over strand again and again until I had made a boxy red and white lanyard for my mother. She gave me life and milk from her breast, and I gave her a lanyard. She nursed me in many a sick room, lifted spoons of medicine to my lips, laid cold face cloths on my forehead, and then led me out into the starry light and taught me to walk and swim. And I, in turn, presented her with a lanyard. Here are thousands of meals, she said, which I made for you. Here is clothing and a good education. And here is your lanyard, I said. With a little help from a counselor at camp. Here is a breathing body and beating heart, strong legs, bones, and teeth, and two clear eyes to read the world, she whispered. And here, I said, is the lanyard I made at camp. And here I wish to say to her now is a smaller gift, not the worn truth that you can never repay your mother, but the rueful admission that when she took the two-tone lanyard from my hand, I was as sure as a boy could be that this useless, worthless thing I wove out of boredom would be enough to make us even. There are debts that we can never repay. There is love that can never be requited. I have come to learn that Mother's Day comes masked with hidden emotions. And that on this one day, beside rejoicing, there is weeping. And that there are matters of motherhood that only God can understand. And only God can comfort. There's an expression that has recently caught fire on social media, at least from my perspective. I hope it is your perspective as well. It's the expression, I feel seen. I feel seen is an altered state of unseen. Unseen means unappreciated or taken for granted. In Genesis 16, to feel seen was a prayer that one woman prayed. 
That woman was a young mother. She was an Egyptian servant girl. And she was a servant girl in the household of a woman, a matron named Sarah, and a master named Abraham. When it became apparent that Hagar could be a mom, but Sarah could not, bitter feelings erupted, and Sarah took it out on Hagar. A foreign servant girl like Hagar was of no account. Everybody knew it. And Hagar knew it too. She was given to Abraham to bear him a son, but now Sarah regretted it. And her resentment became so fierce that Hagar ran away. But we're told the Lord heard her cry of affliction. This young servant girl, pregnant, alone, unwanted, confused, no homeland, alone in a remote place, she cried out and vocalized her affliction. She took all of that emotion and she put it into words to the open sky and the empty space. And we're told that God heard her affliction. And the Lord came to Hagar and the Lord comforted Hagar. Please let that sink in. If today, in some feelings, even though you're surrounded by a room full of people, and people who actually care, but some hidden things we don't express, so the rest of us are blind to our needs, our emotions, our silent heartbreak. And in that, we're alone. But we aren't. Because God sees. God knows. God hears the cry of affliction. And he comforts. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 13 and 14, Hagar, this Egyptian servant girl, she named the Lord who spoke to her. She said, you are El Roy. El Roy. That's Hebrew. El Roy. God sees me. 
For she said, in this place have I actually seen the one who sees me, El Roy. Hagar has the longest conversation with God of any woman in the Old Testament. And almost anyone in the Old Testament. She's an Egyptian slave. And she's the only person in the Bible who gives God a name. Up to this point, God has introduced himself as Elohim, the creator, as Yahweh, the covenant maker, as El Shaddai, the almighty. But Hagar, this this young Egyptian servant girl, this person who doesn't count, who is inventory, And I mention this, I keep stressing this because it takes a bit for it to sink into us that we matter to God, that that he cares. Because when we look around, we think we're worthless or not that important or God doesn't care about me. We think he cares about everyone else in the room, but we exempt ourselves and we don't realize that God sees us because he cares for us. And so Hagar names the Lord El Roy. God sees me and he comforts her when no one was there to comfort her. Do you know what, do you know where God's comfort what God's comfort is likened to? In the Bible, God's comfort is likened to a mother's comfort. Now, that's a pretty astonishing thing. He who alone was there to comfort this young mother, but elsewhere in the prophets, in the gospel, on the lips of Jesus himself, God is described as a God whose comfort we can appreciate and even desire because his comfort is as a mother's comfort. In Isaiah 66, 13, the prophet says, as a mother comforts her child, God speaking through the prophet, so I will comfort you. In 2 Corinthians, the first chapter The opening of his letter, the Apostle Paul calls the God and Father of Jesus, our Lord, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. In other words, God's comfort is so rich, it accomplishes true comfort 
in such a way that we who need to be comforted are now able to comfort the people who need to be comforted. That's a powerful comfort. This uh, last three weeks, I've been checking up on a killdeer. Sometimes they're called kildees. They're little plovers. And this plover has been sitting on her eggs just, just outside the back door of our administrative office. And every morning and every evening, and sometimes if I have a moment, I go out during the day to see how she's doing, or I look through the window, and there she is dutifully sitting on her eggs. The only time she would leave them is when the sun was very high and hot, and then she'd slip away for a little bit, or dad would come and do a, like a five-minute stint, you know how dads are. And then the mother would return, and she was just, and if there was any kind of predator, like Mistakenly, she thought I was a predator one day. So what she did was she goes into this kind of a broken wing thing, like she's wounded, so the predator will seek her out, and she moves away from her eggs to protect her young. And just this last week, a couple of days back, we saw the little eggs hatch. And here's a picture of one being, you know, in the tuft of mother's breast, there you can make her out with the baby right in front of her. And now they're a happy family running around the property and soon they'll move on and, and maybe the young will come back and the cycle will repeat. But we say when we see this, we think, wow, that mother is so attentive. Look at her guarding her, her young. Look at her willing to sacrifice to protect her young. That's instinctive. Nature has bred that in somehow. No. We may, in fact, agree that it is programmed, but God, the Father of all comfort, is the programmer. He programs that. And that's a beautiful thing. In Matthew 23, 37, Jesus likened his tender concern for the lost and hurting to a hen who gathers her chicks under her wings. I get a kick out of Moses. When God's people were grumbling again, Moses turns to God and he protests to God. Listen to what Moses says to God. Did I conceive these people? Did I give them birth so that you could tell me, carry them at your breast as a nursing mother carries a baby? See, Moses is saying, why do I have to put up with these people as a mother puts up with her children? But he's actually addressing God because he's saying, you're the one who's to blame. You're the one who wants me to care for these people just like you do. Like a mother. Moms, your comfort is the emblem and imprint of God's own comfort. And I'm glad there's joy here today and joy that can be had here today. But I want to remind you there's comfort too. Not only did God see Hagar 
But Sarah, too, God did see and cared for and comforted. God bless you. He sees you. God knows you. He knows your joys this morning. He knows your troubles. And we may believe a lanyard would be enough to make us even, but not God, who has given you not a lanyard, but his one and only Son. There is comfort and joy in the Lord for you today on the strength of his son, Jesus Christ, I remind us. Let me pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your tender care, love, comfort, our every yearning, our every need, the things that we believe we bear alone, the heartbreak, the things that no one else not even those closest to us can understand. You do understand. And Father, if we believe this as Hagar learned, it will be a true comfort to us to trust our deepest needs and concerns to your great love as expressed to us in the matchless sacrifice and gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we praise you, worship you, and thank you. Amen.